So, um, uh, you might have heard the, the saying, and I'm sure everyone has, there's, you know the answer, right? That there are two things in life that are certain. Yes? What are they? Death and taxes. Okay, good. We're, we're going well. But, you know, I'm not actually sure that that's true. Okay? I did a quick Google search and came up with at least 10 countries in the world that have no personal income tax at all. Okay? So, the Bahamas, for instance. So if you're looking for a quiet place to lie low for a little while, you could do worse. Uh, head off to the Bahamas with no personal in- income tax at all. Uh, there, are, there may be some <laughs> countries in the world uh, where, you can't, where, you don't, you, where you can escape one half of that sentence, but we all know about the other half of the saying, right? What's certain in life, what, what, what can't you escape? Well, you might be able to get away from taxes. But what about death? And we all know the answer to that one. We might be able to find a tax haven somewhere if we're really desperate. Uh, But there's no place in the world for any of us that is a haven from death. Despite our best efforts, death rates remain constant at a steady 100%. It's an uncomfortable thing, though, to to talk about, isn't it? it? It can make us uncomfortable. It's a sure way to kill a conversation... Uh, you might like to try it next time you're out to lunch or dinner with someone. You, uh, over, you, you get that sort of seven-minute silence where no one's quite got anything to say. And So, Steve, have you thought much about your death lately? You know, it's a sure way to kill a conversation. It's not something that we... But you can understand the reluctance we have, can't you, to talk about it. Uh, it it's just too deep. It can raise um, too many hurts and uncertainties. And it forces on us, I think, the the confronting question, uh, is there more to our life than our death? Is there any more to our life than our death? It's a question that Jesus knew. It's a question that Jesus knew, but he didn't shy away from it. He wasn't embarrassed by it. For all we might struggle to come to terms with it, Jesus responded to death in an incredible and new way. And what he did changes everything for us, friends. It changes everything for us. Luke 7, that we read out uh, a passage from earlier, we get a closer look at this response of Jesus to death. Uh, And we're going to think a little bit about its implications for us. Well, uh, if you had the passage open, it will be really helpful. It's not a long passage, uh, but it packs a powerful punch. <laughs> uh, uh, so if you have it open in front of you, uh, that would be helpful either in your own Bibles or it is in the leaflet there. The scene opens in verse 11. Jesus is travelling along. He's got a crowd following him, you can see there. Uh, some of the crowd are his close followers who've been with him, uh, his disciples. Others of the crowd, though, are, are hangers-on. They're, they're groupies. They might have seen his miracles somewhere else and they're tagging along. Uh, to see what else this guy might pull off. And we're told in verse 11, they were all heading for a village called Nain. A little village called Nain. And if you keep reading, you'll see that as Jesus approaches Nain, he's got this crowd in tow, he's got his group is behind him, he sees a woman. And this woman also has a crowd following her. Did you notice that? She also has a crowd following her, but it's a very different kind of crowd. This crowd isn't following her because they thought she was going to do something amazing. 
They weren't her groupies. They were her mourners. Her only son, we're told, had died. Uh, Probably, we suspect, that very day. We're also told, though, that she was a widow. She was a widow. She'd already had to bury her husband. And now she's burying her only son. For anyone, this is a scene of tragedy. Uh, But in that society, in this context, a childless uh, widow was right down the bottom of the social ladder. Without family, no one to care for her in her old age, no income, there was no Centrelink, no government-funded nurses. And so these two crowds meet, and you can imagine... How, just how different the vibe is in both of them, right? You've got the crowd of excited followers of Jesus looking for him to do something amazing and a crowd of mourners who are, their hearts are just going out for this, uh, to share this woman's grief. Well, if you've ever been to a funeral, I'm sure most of us have, you'll know that there are rules. No one really lays them out for you, but they just are. There are rules that you have to follow uh, and if you, you just never break them. So when the coffin passes you by, you stop. You're silent. You bow your head. Even more so, isn't, it? isn't this true? Even more so if you're a stranger, if you happen to walk into someone else's funeral. If you just come across it by accident. There are rules, and, and everyone knows them. But do you notice what Jesus does here? He does something absolutely shocking. He breaks all the rules. He breaks all the rules. Verse 13, look at it there. Uh, We're told that he sees this woman grieving and his heart goes out to her. His heart goes out to her. It's a really strong word that's used here. It's very strong language. He's filled with a a gut-wrenching sorrow and empathy for this woman. And he breaks all those rules about funerals. He doesn't bow his head. He doesn't respectfully let the the funeral procession pass him by. He walks up. Do you get this? He walks up. He's a stranger. Doesn't know this woman. Doesn't know the son. He walks up. He just walks up to this weeping woman. And did you see what he says to her? He tells her to stop crying. He tells her to stop crying and he goes up to the coffin, which was actually more like an open stretcher. Uh, The body would have been open uh, for people to see, not an enclosed coffin. He walked up to the stretcher with the dead body lying. He goes up to it and he puts his hand on it, even touching the dead man. And the, the people carrying it, I imagine, stop and cannot believe what they're seeing. Cannot believe what they're seeing. On a whole number of levels. See, in Jesus' society, you didn't touch dead people. It was one of the worst social taboos you could break, and you would be penalised for breaking it. You'd become an outcast from society until you'd gone through a a series of rituals that would sort of make you acceptable again. But Jesus, in this sort of deep compassion he had for this woman, uh, touches this dead man, takes on this penalty... This exclusion takes it on himself out of compassion for this poor woman. And you can hear everyone freeze and hold their breath, both crowds. Freeze. I mean, who does this guy think he is? Is he just socially 
incompetent? <laughs> Doesn't he know the rules? Or maybe he's worse. Maybe he's a mean-spirited, thoughtless man to tell a grieving mother not to cry. Well, who does he think he is? Is he just insensitive to put his hand on a dead body and stop someone else's funeral procession? Just, it's worth us coming to terms with just how shocking this scene would have been. But just maybe Jesus is, is neither stupid or evil. Maybe he's something else altogether. So he touches the dead man. He touches death. And everything stops. Everyone's eyes are on him. Everyone's holding their breath. And then you can read it there, verse 15. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. That's it. There's no fanfare, there's no grandstanding. He doesn't sort of proclaim to everyone he's about to do a great miracle and roll up his sleeves and go through a... All he does is give the word. He just gives the word. And the dead man gets up. The dead man gets up, he sucks in breath, he starts to talk, and Jesus gives him back to his mother. And in this one split second, she's transformed She's transformed from miserable to joyful. And the two crowds, the two crowds in this one split second, you know, they become one crowd. There's just one crowd now. Jaws are dropping. They rub their eyes to check if they're dreaming, and suddenly they're no longer groupies or mourners. They're one crowd united in their wonder of Jesus. And they all. They all, this one united crowd, they all praise God. But there's something really interesting about what the crowd says. And I wonder if you picked it up in verse 16 there. They glorify God, saying not only that a great prophet has come, but that God himself has come to save his people. God himself has come to save his people. Look, I'm not sure what was going on in their minds when they said this. Maybe they were just expressing their awe and amazement. But for us, for us as we read this story, when the crowds say that God has come to help his people, we're, we're meant to join the dots. We're meant to see that there's something far deeper going on here. We're meant to see that Jesus, he's not just here, he's not just reversing an illness He's reversing a punishment, a consequence. The consequence of a deeper problem. That's why in Jesus' society you didn't touch death and you'd be penalised if you did. According to the Bible's story, according to Jesus, we die, this son died, uh, the people we know die, because ultimately because of humanity's rejection of God, the Lord of life. And when you push away the Lord of life, All you've got left is death. We're not talking about a specific punishment here, don't get me wrong, as if this boy died for a particular thing he did. He's suffering the general punishment that we all suffer, the consequence of our rebellion against God. But God cares too much about his world to let it drop there, doesn't he? Uh, He doesn't leave us in the death we deserve. He had promised Hundreds of years before this, he had promised over and over again in the Old Testament scriptures to come 
He had promised to come to do what we can't do. To fix up the world and to bring death to nothing. And not just physical death, but the underlying spiritual death that is the cause of it. The lies behind it. Our death in our relationship with him, our maker. He promised to come and give us peace with himself. And so when Jesus comes and does this, when he wipes away this woman's tears, when he destroys the death of her son, we're meant, we're meant to join the dots here. It's like Jesus is an, he's proclaiming, he's announcing in this miracle that he has come to do what God had promised. He has come to do what God has promised. He didn't come, you see, just to deal with this one widow's pain, with this one son's death. He came to deal with the whole world's pain, the whole world's death, the death that we deserve because of our rejection of God. See, friends, there is another time, isn't there? There is another time that Jesus touched death. Uh, He touched it here out of his compassion for this widow, but this wasn't this was a sign pointing forward. It wasn't enough to do what he ultimately came to do, to deal with the core problem. And so not too long after he raised this son, Jesus came towards another place, not a village this time, but towards Jerusalem, a city. He still had a crowd with him and they were praising him, but that didn't last long. You know the story. If you do know the story, you know that it doesn't last long. Uh, Within days, this crowd who once were singing praises to Jesus were crying out for his death. And that's what they got. This Jesus of Luke 7, this Lord of life, this compassionate, merciful Lord of life, they took his life, nailing him up to a Roman cross in the cruelest death. It is unthinkable, isn't it, that that it's this Jesus, the Jesus who gave the widow back her son, that he would die. But he did, and he did it willingly. He did it because it was the only way to finally, once and for all, deal with death, to do what he came to do. The king of life went to death for you so that you could be made alive to God. So that the core problem of our life, our rejection of God, could be fixed up, could be forgiven, could be made right. And the incredible news and what we're going to celebrate and rejoice in in a few weeks' time on Easter Sunday uh, is that this story isn't just about Jesus on the cross. It's about an empty tomb three days later. You see, Jesus took death on. He touched death. He took it into himself and he he didn't just come back out of it. He took it in and defeated it. He took its power into himself and exhausted it. Unlike this woman's son, uh, he didn't just go into death and back out again. Uh, This son was raised wonderfully to life, but he was still in in his body of death. But Jesus, his was a resurrection, not just in and out, but through death. (laughs) He shattered death, broke its power. And he came out the other side, raised to a new and eternal and undying life. (sighs) 
Well, it is an incredible story, isn't it, friends? An incredible story what Jesus did and an even more incredible um, story that this fits into, that this points towards. But it seems to me, as we sort of tie things together, it seems to me that uh, in our society and perhaps even uh, amongst ourselves, there are two sort of opposite but equal and opposite uh, errors in how we can respond particularly to the reality of death in our world. One possibility that uh, is, uh, I think, around uh, uh, in our society and potentially uh, in our church is that we can be, we can be tempted uh, to not see the reality of Jesus' victory over death and, 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 and to identify too much with this woman before Jesus met her. See, this woman knew the deep pain of death and she was in a desperate situation. And if that's us, this is a word of incredible comfort and hope. If we identify with this woman, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, there is more to life than our death. Jesus promises that death will not be the end, that even though we face the pain of death, There will come a day when we will share in his resurrection through death to enjoy eternity with him. In Christ we have a certain hope that there will come a day and when he will come up to us and wipe our tears away and say to us, don't cry. Wonderful, wonderful hope. But perhaps a a more common and maybe a worse um, response to death, not that uh, that one's entirely understandable, but uh, this one I I see in our society around us uh, and I think is for us as Trinity South Coast a really wonderful opportunity to stand apart from our society. The other response is to be not enough like this woman. Not enough like... To not, for whatever reason it is, to not... uh, Come to terms with and feel the reality of death, to, to, to ignore it, to crowd it out with busyness, to try and cheat it, to cover it up, to put it away and not think about it at all. I don't know if you identify that in the society around us, maybe I identify it with it in myself. But friends, Jesus enables us to move from fantasy to reality. He actually, and this is, I think... Uh, a wonderful opportunity for us to stand out from the culture around us that just doesn't have the resources to deal with death. Jesus enables us to face its reality, to acknowledge that it as real, and not to hide away from it. He frees us to acknowledge our helplessness in the face of death, that each and every one of us, it will swallow us up, but Jesus has swallowed it up. You see that? How wonderful. Jesus has swallowed it up. He is the only one who actually does have the power to deal with death. Because of him, there is more to life than death. There is hope. And because of him, we can be people who face all the reality of this world. All the joys and the sorrows and even the reality of death with a solid hope, with the knowledge that our Lord is the Lord of life. 
who has defeated death so that we can share in his life forever. Let's pray. Our Father, um, we have touched on some really deep things this morning. We thank you for your word and we thank you that Jesus enables us to see all of life, its joys and its sorrows, to look squarely at them, to thank you for the joys and to be hopeful in the sorrows. Father, we are painfully aware of the brokenness of this world, of, uh, of, of our own lives. Lord, I pray for us, and those of us who, for whom that pain is a present reality. Lord, comfort us with the hope of the gospel. We know that you know the pain of death. We know that, Jesus, you have defeated death once and for all. Fill us, Father, with hope, we pray, with longing for the day when your victory will become a reality for everything, for the whole world, and when you'll wipe away every tear from every eye. But, Lord, for those of us who are not, Lord, who are not grieved enough by death, who feel the temptation to fill our lives with busyness or distraction, uh, to avoid its reality, give us the courage to face, to face it. Even more than that, Lord, help us by your Spirit to know the wonderful, great force of your love, your victorious love, and to rejoice at the victory you have won through the death and resurrection of your Son. And we pray that in his mighty name. Amen.